In the shadows of the tall timber, a terrifying army of animals gather, an ever-growing horde of beak, tooth, and claw. This is the day of the animals. Now we got to act like we got no one but ourselves. Get us down off this mountain. See Christopher George, Leslie Nielsen, and Linda Day George struggle for survival in a world gone mad. What about Roy and the Professor? They've had it. The day of the animals is coming, and there's no place to hide. Rated PG, parental discretion advised. Radio Drome. Tonight on Radio Drome, when animals attack Josh Hadley. Wait, they attack Josh Hadley? I don't know. Do they, do they attack Peter? Peter is dead. Well, son of a bitch. I guess that's just C- Cecil's the mealy mouth little, he curled into a little bit of a ball. Cecil got away, huh? <laughs> they, don't, they don't like me because I'm a robot. That's yeah. true. Can the robot remember the Adam and Eve promo? <laughs> Why do you do this to me? Because I feel like it, and it's fun. I need to I need to write it down again. Uh, uh, all right. Go to adamandeve.com and enter the promo code DROME. You get six free DVDs, uh, ten mystery gifts. Six free DVDs, a mystery gift. Six free gift. DVDs, a mystery gift, uh, a gift for him, a gift for her, uh, free American uh, non-Peter shipping. Um, and, and whatever you buy. And what and of course whatever you purchase, yes, by using the promo code Drome at, Adam, at adamandeve.com. There Way we to go. go. Now, Yay! I, I, I think I think you need to be reprogrammed, but we'll talk about robots in another episode. <laughs> tonight, tonight, what we're going to talk about is when animals attack. A lot of people call this nature strikes back, this genre nature strikes back, but I don't mm. quite like that term because nature strikes back would also be volcano movies and earthquake movies and things like that. So, cause that's nature too. So when, when I think of these kind of movies, I think of more when animals attack, when you think of when animals attack or this type of genre, what's the film that you immediately go to? Uh, I go to uh, a little movie that is uh, we were just talking about a minute ago. Uh, I go to Roar because it's just pure insanity. I, I mean, it's it's amazing that this movie exists, uh, that they were able to get any kind of permits to have this movie made. It's just it's it's lions and tigers like and bears. Oh, my Roar is kind of my go to movie because it's just pure insanity. It's one of those movies movies where they always say uh you know oh you'd never be able to do this today but this movie they absolutely wouldn't do today it's like as if they did jumanji not cgi it's lions and it's tigers and it's not bears but mauling people and it's terrifying uh the fact that they were able to do this and and as um alamo draft house pictures is uh uh releasing this on on blu-ray later in the year they're talking about how, you know, the animals weren't harmed, but many of the cast and crew were. And watching the film, you really get the sense that there had to have been some moments where some people's lives were in peril. It's it's awesome, though. You got to check it out. Peter, what's the movie you would go to when you go to when animals attack in a fictional movie? Well, I mean, I'd have to go with the obvious answer, and that would be Jaws, just because it's 
uh, my earliest memory of seeing a like a when animals attack sort of movie. It's just it's it's such a classic. It's a it's an easy one to remember, and it's just so timeless. And the the finale is just it's it still holds up, and it's so intense. And I really love the uh, how it doesn't show the shark all the time, obviously because of the because the the shark itself looked so fake, Bruce! but it ended up working so well. It ended up working so well in its favor because uh, it it keeps the the shark scary and it keeps you using your imagination. And then you you see Quint get eaten, and it's just it's it's such an awesome movie and uh like i don't even i wouldn't even say it's my favorite animals rebelling against uh humans movie but i think it's it's definitely the one that uh that comes to mind first over all the other ones and see i'm not sure what one i would pick in all honesty i would say probably the best one would be phase four but one of my favorites would also be tentacles or frogs so i don't know what one i would go with also there's night of the lepus and I, I don't know what what my pick would be. This genre, this subgenre, I guess, when animals attack, this goes back all the way to the beginning of film. You know, they've always had animal killing films, an, animals killing people in films. Because in the set, the 70s were full of this, and this is still pre-Jaws at this point. The 70s were so full of these. Why do you think these type of films caught on with an audience so so dramatically in the 1970s, almost more than any other decade. I don't know, really. I mean, that's, um, I mean, horror in general, uh, movies where bad things happen and things get very disastrous tend to draw an audience in with. So I think it's, uh, I mean, because when we talked about like natural disaster movies and stuff, I think it's it's kind of that same thing um, where you maybe get kind of a, a catharsis and you you go see something and it kind of, uh, alleviates that fear of some kind of natural disaster or an animal mauling you and kind of taking it away because you've watched it on screen. You maybe had a couple of laughs. Uh, you were there with your friends. Then you go home and then you you feel a bit safer because you kind of got it out of the way. And I think that the, the reason why it would it would draw people in is because it was more of uh, like instead of like a supernatural thing or aliens or whatever, it's like a real thing. It's a natural element and it, it's it's like that whole horror element where people will get drawn in by something that's that's not only scary but also true to life and they'll go see a movie about it and it'll it'll maybe alleviate that fear a little bit. Being that it was in the 70s, it was still new. So now uh you know, we're we're well into the 2000s and we've got a lot of you know, we're, we're so far into film that we're remaking everything. But uh, back then, the concept of something like that was still relatively new, and they didn't have the technology and the the know-how to be able to uh, do it quite as much as they did, you know, in the 70s. So I think that uh, it was just another new genre that kind of came out that people flocked to, and they were really enjoying because it was uh, it was something that they could be afraid of, like Peter said, you know, it's it's something that's real. And something that, uh, you know, has actually happened, you know, maybe not to the degree of, you know, giant ants or that kind of thing. But, you know, people get uh, I remember the giant ant attacks, Do the giant ant attacks of 09. I think it was just it was it was a new thing. And that was what everybody was flocking to at the time. And you have certain ones that work into our the deep rooted fears we already have. Arguably, probably spiders would be even more so than sharks. We'll talk about sharks in a minute. Uh, I think, spiders. Yeah, I think killer spider movies are actually because we as humans, they've done studies. Newborn babies are inherently afraid of spiders. It's one of the very few animals that a newborn baby is born afraid of. 
Snakes are another one. So I think something like Kingdom of the Spiders or Arachnophobia or, or even Frogs, which has a bunch of spider kill scenes in it, it, it there's something, there's like a deep-rooted, primal, lizard brain kind of fear that we automatically have. I, I guarantee, without even having discussed this with you two earlier, you're both going to agree with me. When you watch a movie like Kingdom of the Spiders, you feel something crawling on your leg at some point, don't you? Even if it's not really there. Am I wrong? Yes, actually, especially with, uh, like, arachnophobia is one of the ones that definitely freaked me out a fair bit. And I think that's that's really true about the inherent fear of spiders, because even if, like, if you just see them, you're out and about, you're outside, and you see one, you know, crawling uh, crawling across the a tree or the pavement or whatever, and it's not, it's not really that scary. But then when you're sitting at home alone and you're watching one of these movies or you feel a tickle on your leg or something, maybe even just an itch. One of the first thoughts, at least for me, is that there might be a, a bug on my leg and specifically a spider. And when you think about yourself in close quarters with one of those things, it's pretty freaky. And especially when that happens, you start to think about the the bigger spiders, not necessarily the the, the smaller ones that all of a sudden, usually... all of a sudden, you picture your girlfriend coming home and finding you like Julian Sands in the in the barn in arachnophobia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think that's totally true. That we're to we totally are inherently afraid of spiders and all sorts of little little bugs and stuff. Because I don't know when I get that little itch, my first thought is always, "God damn it, there's a spider on my leg," and that's like the last thing that I want right now. Oh, absolutely. You get that little tickle and. You, you kind of are like, all right, is that something? And usually my, my first reaction is just immediately hit wherever I feel like something. <laughs> so it's like, all right. Just this... make sure you're not feeling it on your testicles. Or you're going to feel it worse. Well, yeah, if you feel it like <laughs> on your leg or something. If it's in your testicles. But uh, I, I can't imagine. Uh, but yeah, if I feel something on my leg, on my arm, I just swat. You know, and, and half the time there's nothing there. But those times when it's like, you know, a, a fly or, or a spider or an ant or whatever. Eek. Yeah. Um, the big thing with uh, the spider movies, though, uh, with something like Kingdom of the Spiders and Arachnophobia. An army of deadly predators searching, destroying anything in their path. He's over at Colby's. He's found another 20 or 30 hills just like the one we burned. Why did they come? What do they want? Spiders in this area have organized themselves into an aggressive army. William Shatner, Tiffany Foley, your nightmares will never be the same. Kingdom of the Spiders, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. The big thing with why they're terrifying is because a lot of the spiders in there were real spiders. Oh, you uh, can see when Shatner's stepping on them? Those, yeah, he's really are, stomping on tarantulas. He's stomping some tarantulas again. Something you wouldn't really be able to do today. Ah, the seventies. Yeah, it's just because that was <laughs> the one thing. There's one part where they're driving down the road and just running over spiders, and they're popping like zits. And it's like, ooh, they're terrifying. And a lot of the the movies now, uh, the real CGI heavy ones, ice spiders and and all that kind of stuff, they're fun, but they're not scary. Because the spiders, they just don't, they don't look real. Even a movie I did a, a couple weeks ago called Spiders, they used, they, they, they drew, or they had three different sizes of spiders. They had like a, a small, medium, and a large spider. And they were all like, uh, they weren't real spiders, but they were, you know, uh, they were animatronic. And they were scary because, again, it was, it was real. But in, in CGI, I don't know, they just, they don't move right and, and they're, 
they they don't look quite there yet. They you know so but yeah, if it's if it's prosthetic or if it's real spiders, it's terrifying. Yeah. Does does that even go for now? One of the sub sub genres of of this is either nuclear waste or atomic testing has made everything grow giant like them or whatnot. What about something like the old 50s tarantula with John Agar, where it was actually a real spider that was superimposed on sets and whatnot? Does that still have that same effect, the fact that it was an actual tarantula, even though it's bigger than a building? Does it make it different a difference when it's a spider like you could actually encounter or a giant Gila monster kind of spider. It still freaks me out because you can tell they're real. There was a Mystery Science Theater episode where they did uh, Earth versus the Spider, and they did it by um, they, they would have a background that was a postcard, and they would put the uh, spider like in front of the postcard to make it look <laughs> like it was you know wherever it was supposed to be, and you know made it look huge and it was terrifying because again it was real. So that kind of forced perspective does work and it is effective and it can be scary sometimes it 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 does look a little hokey and you could tell that you know, but still to me a tarantula is freaking scary i had a a friend of mine uh, the weird kid in grade school and uh he had a pet tarantula and he used to pull it out and he'd pet it and stuff and and i knew get that thing away from me <laughs> so tarantulas normally like small spiders will freak me out but i mean if i ever saw a, like if i was in my room and a tarantula was on the floor I, there would be a freaking hole in the wall that i just ran out of john agar tarantula an animatronic spider probably wouldn't have worked for the technology they had at the time but the fact that it still moves like a tarantula does that add an extra creep factor or an extra credibility to something like the 50s tarantula I'd say it does. Um, I'd say it definitely adds an element of creepy because even if, um, and it's not so much that it's scary because you're seeing this thing that's depicted as a giant spider. It's scary because you're seeing a spider that's actually in reality. This is something that you could come across. You could come across a tarantula somewhere in your life. You'll see that. You 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 will in some way experience that if you're in uh, in a certain area that they populate, and that's what makes it scary is that something like this actually exists. This, like, hairy, monster-looking, eight-legged thing is actually in reality. And whether it's as big as a, as a city or a house or as big as your fist, which they really are, it's still just as scary because it's a spider that's that's um, that's not only, like, like, bigger, but it's, like, way bigger than average. It's, like, five to six times better than your average spider, bigger than the average spider that you're going to see. Would you say it's a big-ass spider? It's a big-ass spider. Which is... Absolutely. I, I, I wasn't happy with the CG in that movie, but that movie's fun as hell. Arguably the most famous... The most famous subgenre would be, like what Peter brought up, sharks. And I, I think people kind of think of shark movies as their own genre rather than rather than a subgenre of a larger subgenre, if you will. Why do you think shark movies, like Jaws... I agree with you, Peter. Not showing the shark actually really helps the tension and the storytelling in the movie. But mm -hmm. that movie, probably more than any other, affected not just pop culture, but culture in general. Why do you mm. think in 1975, Jaws, of all things, hit such a chord with, an, with not just an American audience, but an international audience? Well, I mean, everybody, well, at least, uh, well, I mean, people still go to the beach, but back then, like, 
that was a very social thing for the summers, you know, before the uh, for the modern days of the the internet and video gaming and whatnot. People, a lot of people went to the beach, and that was sort of the, the main hangout. So it can very easily strike a chord with uh, all the youngsters and the general people that go out to enjoy the sun and the water. And you've got this uh, this great white that's you know ripping people to pieces, and it, it absolutely is like it made it made going to the beach scary, and that's I think what made it hold up for as long as it as it has because it took this very very simplistic concept, people just going out and having fun, much like how slashers were with the whole uh, campground partying thing, or, or just whatever holiday happens to exist. Yeah. Exactly. You take something simple like that. You take uh, you take Halloween and you get a killer in a Shatner mask going around and you've got people freaked out on Halloween night. So with Jaws, you take a beach, you add in a great white shark and you got people scared of the beach. So I, I think it's just using something that simple and striking a chord very effectively. And as you said, you know, keeping the keeping the shark out of the actual visual focus until pretty much the very end was a great way to make it scary. And and yeah, it maybe isn't that rewatchable now just because it is a very slow burn kind of movie. But the great thing about Jaws is that it totally stays with you. Like that's a movie that you really only need to see like once or twice and you'll always remember it for how awesome it is. Why do we like shark movies so much? Why have shark movies become a genre unto themselves? Unlike spiders, which most of us are going to just randomly encounter in our homes, many of us are never going to actually encounter a shark. Or the odds, even if you live by the ocean, the odds of you being eaten by a shark are lower than you getting hit by lightning three times in the same year. So why do you think we love shark movies so much when it doesn't have that primal fear that spiders do? It's definitely a combination of things because uh, it's the fear of the unknown Plus, sharks are very intelligent, and they are, like, really, really, really high up the food chain. Until we came along, sharks had no natural predators. <laughs> exactly. So, basically, if you are in the water where there are sharks, you basically, it's, it's equivalent of you being in the middle of the, ju- of the jungle without a weapon, and there's a bunch of lions around. You know, you're 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 going to be the one that gets mauled and eaten. I guess the saving grace with us sharks is that to sharks, humans don't really taste all that good. They'll just kind of come up and take a nip out of you. Except and, uh, by the by the time they find out that they don't, that they don't want to eat you, you're legless. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the downfall. It's like they're not trying to kill you. They just want to taste you. And unfortunately, when they taste you, they have to take a big bite. So it's all those freaking teeth. And I think that really, you know, the name Jaws is what works perfectly because, you know, you see a shark and it's like, oh, yeah. And then you see the mouth and you're like, oh, you know, like that's what makes it scary. They are kind of the boogeyman of the water. You know, nobody wants to be out in the water and, and, uh, you know, see, see that fin. That's just that's that natural, terrifying thing. It's oh, no. You know, so I think that's why it really factors into being its own genre is because there's so much they can do with it. And usually, you know, you you have one shark and it just will eat people. And and God forbid they do. I don't know if they're going to do it. I know they've been talking about doing it forever, but they delayed it because they want to give money to like another Paul Blart movie or something. But um, they were doing a uh, the Meg movie, the Megalodon. I've, where... I've read the first three Meg books. The first two are fantastic. Third mm-hmm. one gets a little ridiculous, but it kind of needed to for what it was doing. The first mm-hmm. two Meg books 
would make fantastic movies. They had some artwork. This is going back probably about five years, but they had some artwork that uh, they were showing, and it was just it, it was just this. It was the, the freaking megalodon, and it was just coming down on like a this boat, and I'm like, this looks amazing. <laughs> Meg has one of the best taglines because, and this is scientifically accurate. If, if a Meg still did exist, it would be from the bottom of the ocean where things are luminescent. And the tagline is, if you can see her glow, it's already too late. Oh, man. That's a fantastic tagline. Shark movies obviously are very popular. But then there's the sub-genre of shark movies that are non-shark movies. Jaws made the water scary again. But then you had octopus movies. You had squid movies. You had eel movies. You had barracuda movies. You had Humanoids from the Deep movies. I consider Humanoids from the Deep a monster's attack film because it, it really is. Or am I stretching the premise a little bit too much there? And they attack. They come out of the water and they attack people and they're monsters. And they're natural. They're like they're made up natural monsters, but they are meant to be things that, you know, lived in the water. One of my favorites, though, is Tentacles by Avidido G. Asinitis. I love the movie Tentacles. And no, there's not a hentai joke in there. The, the movie, first of all, how in the hell does a half a million dollar Jaws ripoff get John Huston, Shelley Winters, Bo Hopkins, Sheriff Lobo, and Henry f***ing Fonda in it and become <laughs> a seriously enjoyable flick? You, you could only do that in the late 70s, couldn't you? That just was not going to happen. But then you had, you had other great ones like, have either of you seen 1980s Alligator written by John Sayles? I haven't. That's one I've been meaning to see. I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I just, I always remember Alligator's first victim was Ed Norton. Well, because the entire movie, it's written by John Sayles. So it's got a tongue-in-cheek vibe to the whole thing. It's full of comedy moments that don't feel like they're out of place. It doesn't feel like, like the movie stops to make the comedy, but it also, the comedy doesn't overshadow the horror elements. Alligator is a perfect example of a When Animals Attack movie mixed with a comedy. But then you had other ones like Orca, which was kind of Jaws meets Death Wish. Yeah. Which is bizarre. It's the killer whale getting revenge. Yeah, b because because his family gets killed, and then he, he chases the hunter all the way to the Arctic, and they have a showdown, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not even buying this after the first hour. And I, I was I was willing... I was willing for most of this, but wow. It's not a movie you buy, but it's it's so amazingly entertaining. It's a deal rentis movie. What do you expect? <laughs> well, they were so sure that Orca was going to be the next big thing over Jaws that the movie opens with Orca with, with an Orca whale killing, killing a, great white. a great white shark. Really yeah. subtle. But then, you know, you, you've got the snake movies. You've got which, hey. Red Brown's first film, he gets yep. killed in a shower. That movie <laughs> terrified me. Really? Oh God! Well, Scott, okay. you? I when I was, I, God, how old was I? I was I was in single digits when I saw that movie. Uh, was it Michael York? Uh, no, that, it, it's a uh, it, it's um it's Starbuck was, from Battlestar Galactica. Starbuck, Starbuck. What well, was it? Was he the one that turned into a snake? Yes. Okay. At the end, when it was the snake with the human face, I that nightmares. Just gave me so many nightmares. Well, you know, not even just that. How about the uh, the Carrie slash Exorcist ripoff, Jennifer the Snake Goddess, 
where a picked on girl finds out that she has psychic powers that allows her to mentally control snakes. It's fantastic. No, no I but uh, but I want to. <laughs> it mirrors so many scenes in Carrie. There's a couple of extrasystic scenes, but it's really more of a Carrie knockoff than anything else. It was released on Blu-ray as just Jennifer. They dropped the snake goddess part, but you need to see that one. Then there's the fantastic Grizzly. You are being stalked by the most savage, carnivorous ground beast in the world. Anyone is fair game for Grizzly. Over 2,000 pounds and 18 feet of gut-crunching, man-eating terror. The deadliest jaws on land belong to Grizzly. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. As well as Prophecy. Grizzly is almost literally, and it is dismissed as this, it's almost literally Jaws in the forest. You've got the sheriff character and the guy who doesn't want to, you know, arguably the mayor who doesn't want to shut everything down, and you got the victims and you got the scientists. It plays out as a beat-for-beat remake of Jaws, but with a grizzly bear. And it's Mm. fantastic because William Girdler directs it so well and so seriously. Yeah, that has uh, quite possibly the best ending and best way to subdue the monster. Just shoot that son of a bitch with a bazooka. That's how you do it. Did you know the poster for that is by Frank fucking Frazetta? Oh, God, yeah. The, the poster for that is legendary. It's so good. It was it was a PG movie, and, and you watch it, and uh, you know people get mauled, and a little kid gets killed and gets his arm ripped off. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not a... Uh, it's it's not a nice movie. The other thing too is the uh, even though it does get compared to to Jaws, where they said you know this is a blatant rip off of Jaws, the director has since proven that the movie was written before Jaws was released into theaters. It still so, could have been based hmm. off the novel by Peter Benchley though. It is, but it's like it's it's just one of those just really unfortunate coincidences. And a great score, and then you know freaking shooting the bear with a rocket launcher at the end. Yes. You, you mentioned how they, they killed a kid in that. They, they also killed a kid in a sleeping bag in the weird Indian mysticism giant bear movie Prophecy as well. Yeah. In a scene <laughs> that's that, supposed, that, uh, that scene is supposed to be scary. It's not, is it? It's, it's hilarious. hilarious. I, uh, I, covered, uh, I, I covered how absolutely funny that kill is in my, in my particular review of Prophecy. And it just it literally looks like a banana hopping away. And then getting smacked into a rock and just exploding into feathers. Like, it just looks cartoonishly funny. But, like, you still have to give the movie credit for killing a kid so brutally. Just, they did it in a way that, like, it's it's funny rather than brutal. Like, like the way the kid dies in Grizzly is gruesome. And I'm actually surprised that Grizzly is PG because it's a really violent movie. PG-13 didn't exist yet, so it probably would have been P- yeah. probably would have been PG-13 if that rating had been around. But then yeah. you, you've you've also got prophecy. You know, you you have that kind of weird voodoo or Indian mysticism angle. You you had that pop up in a couple of other films. Did you guys ever see 1979's Nightwing? No. With uh, that was the Bat one. Yes, it's the Bat one with Stephen Mocked. Nick Mancuso and David Warner. And yes, Stephen Mock and Nick Mancuso are both full-blooded Italians, and they play American Indians because the 70s, cultural sensitivity. But that and Wolfen, they they work in this weird Indian mysticism kind of thing amongst 
what should be a creature feature to the point where you lose track of it. Like in Prophecy, the creature feature and the Indian mysticism are balanced. In Nightwing, it seems like Arthur Hiller really wanted to make a movie about Indian mysticism and what it means to keep tribal land sacred, and he had to shoehorn in some bad attacks every now and then. And Wolfen is kind of the same way. It's like this forensic mystery about murders from a werewolf, and then it turns out it's not really a werewolf. It's an Indian spirit in the form of a wolf that forms like trained wolf dogs, and you kind of... Am I the only one that was kind of pissed off that, <laughs> that Wolfen was sold to me as a werewolf movie and it really wasn't? I can't be the only one yeah, that was kind of ticked lame. off at that. I prefer what, uh, what Prophecy did where they had it kind of start off as uh, like the mysticism thing. Like, you know, the, the Indians call it Katahdin. It's this uh, thing that's got the eyes of a cat or whatever. And it just turns out to be a bear that was mutated. Like, that's kind of awesome. It makes it kind of like a, almost like a Bigfoot thing. Like, oh, it's this legendary monster that lives out in the woods. But no, really, it's just all the, the deforestation and the, the mercury in the water that ended up you know, turning this bear into this this horribly disfigured thing that's just really pissed off. Like, I love that. I love that that's, that's the reveal of the movie. Well, and then, but then like in Wolfen, it's a movie about forensic scientists trying to disprove a werewolf. Oh, and then it turns out to be Indian mysticism. Isn't that the exact opposite? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it goes for the, the cheaper ending. I don't know. The Indian mysticism stuff, it, it kind of can work sometimes. Sometimes it can't. In, in the case of uh, Prophecy, it, it, did, uh, it did work. It, it's, it's cool, man. Prophecy is a great movie. Yeah, like one of my favorite scenes is where you got like the, the old man that believes in all of it. Like the, the father of, of, one of the one of the characters is like trying to wave down the bear to like, you know, to, to talk it down or whatever. Because he still believes that it's the Katahdin thing. And the bear just mauls him. Like you just see him getting... Uh, stuck in the bear's teeth and getting like thrown around like a rag doll. Like I love that. I just love that it's it's after everybody because it's just a pissed off mutant bear. It's not some spirit. Well, and then you also have ones again in the seventies. You would kill kids like the Swarm, the Irwin Allen movie, the Swarm with Michael Caine. The they, the killer bees kill an entire grade school full of kids. Would that ever have played at any time other than the seventies that you could kill? <laughs> kids in a killer bee movie <laughs> in the 80s you could i think the 80s was probably the last decade where you could get away with uh, killing kids in an in a hollywood production yeah foreign movies they kill kids all the freaking time you know out uh, here uh like for example i know you don't like it but uh maximum overdrive freaking little kid gets run over by a steamroller and, yeah. and they show it like <laughs> so uh yeah i think the 80s was probably the last bastion of kids dying in movies now <laughs> they might as well be walking around in freaking tanks because they're there's they are the safest characters in any movie okay we've been talking about these ones where it's like oh this is about alligators this is about this this is about this what about a movie like william girdler again day of the animals where Mother Nature just decides, because it's like UV rays or something, it's been a long time since I've seen it, that every animal now hates humans. Oh, and Leslie Nielsen freaks out and runs her own shirtless trying to kill people, but, you know, that, that's <laughs> just want, want to happen. Or a movie like Frogs. When will man ever learn that when he pollutes the air and the water, he declares war against nature? American International Pictures presents... Frogs, the story of the day nature strikes back. See Frogs in color, rated PG.
Frogs, today the pond, tomorrow the world. It might be called Frogs, but it's about the entire swamp coming alive to kill people, including a mustacheless Sam Elliott, which is just creepy to me because it just doesn't seem right. But <laughs> you've got killer frogs, spiders, eels, birds, snakes. The entire swamp comes alive. I don't know why they called it Frogs. So what happens when, when you start using up all of the good killer animal movies? You wouldn't normally think a killer ant movie would be good. I'm not talking about them because they were giant killer ants, but something like Phase 4, which is just a fantastic film on every conceivable level. It makes ants f***ing scary. <laughs> but then you've got stuff like Squirm. You sweat, but you don't dare move. You want to scream, but you can't. Terror grips every nerve in your body. And your heart is beating so fast, it feels like your eardrums are going to burst. You swallow hard, and you realize there is nothing you can do but wait and squirm. Now American International Pictures presents Squirm, the ultimate horror. Millions of writhing, seething creatures oozing out of the mire shocked into a frenzy by 100,000 volts of electricity, driven by an uncontrollable urge to feed on human flesh. Squirm. Rated R under 17, not admitted without parent. Jeff Lieberman's Squirm, where you kind of go, it's earthworms. Okay. Killer Have you ever earthworms. seen... Have you seen the non-Mystery Science Theater version of Squirm? I own it on no. DVD, so shut up. <laughs> All right. Squirm, I think, is effective. I think Squirm, they managed to actually make worms scary. Yeah. I disagree. I caught it on cable one night before. I actually caught it on cable uncut before I ever saw it in Mystery Science Theater. My wife and I watched Squirm, and we were both laughing like, serious? It's killer inchworms. It's earthworms. It's really? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just they're, they're slimy. They're gross. They were <laughs> flesh eaters. <laughs> And I think uh, the effects in it were uh, were really nice and nice and sleazy and gross to look at. Like I think that's what really sells Squirm for me. And that I, I cover is was, awesome. Was, I will I will say yeah. it was practical. I will say it was practicals. They were real goddamn worms. Where today it would be CG worms. Mm -hmm. Like it looked gross. Like even if the movie's kind of cornball, like like I found the I found the violence in that movie to be quite unnerving looking. Well, you you've got stuff like that, but nowadays. The, the kind of killer animal creature feature has really made a comeback in in the last maybe dozen or so years, but they're really running out of animals. You've got killer sheep movies, killer turkey movies, and I'm not talking about Thanksgiving. There's a serious one about killer turkeys that gets mutated and whatnot. Do you think that this genre should kind of die off if you've run out of the actual animals that are even remotely scary? Um, Not really. I mean... People are still making, like, masked slasher movies and stuff. So I think, uh, you know, go back to the well and, and do something else. Make, uh, make a new shark movie. I mean, The Asylum is doing that like every other movie. They're still making, like, stuff like Double-Headed Shark Attack and, and Sharknado. But I'm not necessarily saying make more of those. But you can easily just go back to the well and, and make another shark movie or another... Like, what, I'd uh, like uh, to see another, um, another bear attack. Uh... The killer sheep movie, <laughs> really? I, I'd like to see another um, another bear attack. 
Like, uh, it's been a while since they've made something like Grizzly. That might be kind of cool. Um, they could make uh, something with something with tigers. They could make something with wolves. Like, the gray is a really good one. I really like what they did there, where it's not so much a wolf attack movie, but it uses that as an element really well. Like, uh, it turns them into this big threat that, uh, that Liam Neeson and the group have to fight against, and they're very... Uh, very beastly and and you get like a even though they're they're cg wolves granted but there is still a real sense of dread um when when the characters are being stalked so i I think you could totally still make movies like that and do like a like a survivalist kind of edge to it because i i really liked what they did with uh with the gray and i think you can definitely do still do more with that in a serious way like the way uh movies like like jaws did it and and instead of just making a whole bunch of stupid stuff like the asylum has been doing. You're thinking of black sheep. It's black sheep, bomb. whatever mm. black sheep was intentionally a black, uh, a dark comedy. It was yeah. not meant to be scary at all. It wasn't, uh, you know, they weren't taking this seriously at all. I mean, the first kill in the movie when the guy's standing there and the sheep jumps at him and, and it kills, it's hilarious. I don't kind of put that in the same league. I, I'm fine with them going back and trying new things with uh you know the standard you know spiders and sharks and whatnot they have a they movie coming out this year called Zombievers, which i heard is again i don't you can't put that in the same league because that's yeah, intentionally joe dante's piranha was a parody of jaws but played 100 percent straight well yeah I mean, but it, it was all different back then like movies would would end up being kind of serious anyway like uh, either just uh by how they would be produced or or edited whereas nowadays it's just a lot of that sort of uh hipstery old school throwback kind of thing where it's like this is how movies were back then it's like you no, they weren't they were not like zombievers piss off when i was looking up some lists of of when animals attack movies i saw a couple of strange ones pop up on here that I guess technically deserve to be on the list, but I wouldn't have really thought of them on this, such as King Kong. Yeah, that definitely qualifies, but I wouldn't have thought to put it there. Or The Mist. The Mist, I mean, yes, they're alien bugs from another dimension, but they are giant bug. It's, it is a giant bug movie, right? Kind of, yeah, because they're, uh, they're creatures from another dimension. So in that dimension, they existed as, as the type of creatures from that world being brought into ours. So, yeah, technically, I'd say that's kind of a monster creature feature kind of thing. The one that, the one that I'm really questioning is Day of the Triffids because they're plants. That's more of a killer <laughs> plant movie. I don't know. Do, do you think Day of the Triffids qualifies as a when monster or when animals attack? Or is that more in like a nature revenge movie the same way you would maybe do Dante's Peak or something like that. Mm. Where does Day of the Triffids fall for you? Well, did they ever say exactly where the Triffids came from? I mean, they were they caused by, what was it, the solar flare that made everybody blind? Yeah, yeah, it, it was caused by the solar flare. So the Triffids were plants before that. The Triffids that, were so. plants that got affected by the radiation. So humans were blind and the Triffids, yes. I mean, it would, it would kind of, I mean, that would more be mutation and I, I, I guess almost alien, really. Maybe, maybe in between. Like it works as more of sort of a, a natural disaster e type movie, not so much uh, monster attacks and animal attacks. I would maybe just lump it into sort of a like a subgenre kind of thing. I don't think it would count entirely as a 
as like a monster animal attack kind of thing. From H.G. Wells, history's most credible prophet, now comes his most incredible story, Empire of the Ants, a terrifying tale of civilization fighting for survival against armies of giant ants ten feet tall who control the human population by drugging them into submission. H.G. Wells, Empire of the Ants, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. They shall inherit the earth sooner than you think. Empire of the Ants is one of the best giant bug movies of the 70s. Because I think Them is one of the best giant bug movies ever. Empire of the Ants is one of the best of the 70s. Was Empire of the Ants the one with with the the chick from Dynasty? Yepers. Yes. And she's embarrassed by it. It's another another, uh, AIP. Empire of the Ants is actually a lot better than you would think it would be. I remember watching that as like a double... I haven't seen it in quite a while. But I remember it being a double feature with, um, oh god, what was it? The Hell Something Theory, where it was all about how bugs were going to take over the world. The Hellstrom Chronicle. The Hellstrom Chronicle, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it was a double feature with that, and I saw it, god, probably like 10 years ago now. But I just remember that. I'm like, Joan Collins. Uh-huh. Like, Joan Collins is in a giant ant movie? Yes. She's not so happy about it. She had, um, how do we put this, tax issues at the time. But she owed some money. Do you, do you know who wrote the book Empire of the Ants is based on? H.G. Wells. So that one's got a bit of a pedigree behind it. But, but then, you know, you've got, like I said, Phase 4, which is just a fantastic movie. I cannot recommend that enough. And then you've got this movie tries so hard to be scary and it plays it totally straight. Rated PG. Were either of you ever, ever scared of Night of the Lepus? Ever? No. No. That that was a very quick no there, Peter. Yeah, I mean, they're bunnies. I mean, okay, fine, there's a lot of them. They're kind of big, but they're fucking bunnies. That's all I got to say about it. They're bunnies. Bunnies? No, (laughs) I wanted to hug them. They're so cute. Exactly. And the always in the movie though. It'd be uh, like yeah. it'd be like if they made uh like a movie like Night of the Kittens or something, just little kittens running around meowing and like devouring people, and all I would do is just go, Aw, like that's it. I, I wouldn't <laughs> care if they're like ripping out eyeballs or eating dicks or whatever. Like it would still be look at the cute kittens. You just can't do it. You can't make a freaking creature feature about like cuddly little bunnies. It just doesn't work. I don't care how violent you make it or how big you make them. They're bunnies. There was a uh, black and white movie, uh, Attack of the Killer Shrews, where they were supposed to be giant shrews. Oscar Pico train stars Os- in that, where it's the yes. dogs with the, 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 the shrew tails on them. The dogs with the shrew tails on them. And the thing was, when there were, the people are laying there, oh my god, oh, and you could see the dogs just licking their faces and wagging <laughs> their tails. Yeah. Like, the dogs were just so happy. Oh, goody! You know, and, and, and they're screaming in agony. And I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> Do you guys oh, think that, that the creature feature, like we've been talking about for the most part, is dead now that CG has taken over? Even a movie, I think Bats came out in, what, 2000, 2001, something like that, the Lou Diamond Phillips one. It used a mixture of not bad practicals and really bad CG. 
and now it's moved to all CG. Do you think CGI has killed the creature feature as we've been talking about? Obviously, it's a different type of creature feature now. But do you think this type of genre is something that is a relic of the 70s into the early 80s now at this point? I think the biggest problem is that now uh, with CG, uh, we're, we're getting these really cheap knockoff movies with bad effects, and they're cranking them out so quickly that whenever somebody sees, oh, here's a giant bug movie or here's a giant this movie or whatever, they're expecting, uh, you know, Sharktopus or they're expecting uh, something from the asylum instead of going in with the notion that, hey, this might be a giant bug movie, but it might be a really good giant bug movie. It's a giant bug movie written by H.G. Wells. (laughs) Oh, exactly. But you you would, you know what, though? You, You put that shit on BuzzFeed. And they'll be like, ah, top 10 giant bug movies that are stupid and you're stupid. And everybody, mm-hmm. you know, writes in the comments about, oh, God, I can't believe uh, this movie's stupid, you know, and compares <laughs> it to like Birdemic and stuff. And it's dead. It's it's a joke now. It's it's Birdemic. It's and extinct. Shark. It is. It absolutely is. It, the, the, what made um these movies so great in the 70s and 80s or even the 90s with stuff like uh, arachnophobia is that they were still using the real creatures. They would be using, or, or Roar is a perfect example of how scary that is. It was Cecil was talking about it with all the, you know, the lions that you have like five, six lions on in a scene at one time and you've got the the actors with them and you're just, you're freaked out watching this because these are things that could really maul somebody. Or even like comparing, say, the... Um, the remake of Willard that has all the CG rats in it to that say remake was horrendous. And then compare that to a movie like, um, you know, like Bruno Mattai's rats night of terror, which, uh, okay, fine. There's uh, it, it says, you know, behind the scenes or whatever, that those were hamsters, which I don't buy for a fucking second because it's Bruno Mattai or even like gnaw food of the gods. More frightening than the war of the worlds. More prophetic than things to come. More imaginative than the time machine. Now, H.G. Wells' masterpiece of science fiction, The Food of the Gods, the terrifying tale of man fighting for his life against an ecology gone berserk. Marjo Gortner, Pamela Franklin, the last chance an unsuspecting world has against harmless animals and insects made huge and vicious by the food of the gods, hunting humans in packs, preying on their flesh, the food of the gods. Rated PG, parental guidance suggested. The food of the gods for a taste of hell. Where you got the giant rats, and it's still the real rats, they're just kind of... Uh, superimposed to look a bit bigger. It's scarier because they're actually using the real animal. You're seeing something real on screen, and that's why it. That's just why that stuff worked. Jaws was cool because you don't always see the shark, and when you do see it, it's a practical effect, and it kind of it looks like it could be a real shark. That's why movies like, like I said, like Roar. Well, Grizzly obviously has shots of a real bear. Uh, Prophecy has. Kevin Peter Hall in a bear suit who's the size of a bear. So it, it makes um, it makes it all that much more scary because you're seeing something that could be true to life. Whereas if you got these cheap shitty effects, it's just it's nothing. You're just watching a, a cheap effect uh, kill somebody in, in a cheap way. And, and I think it's uh, it's it's really tarnishing the what, what the what the genre was all about, which was 
you don't really have much of a budget, so you're using a real animal and you're depicting animal attacks. And that's scary because that shit happens to people on camping trips. That was the whole point of that. That's what made it scary. And now it's a joke. I think that there's also a cultural angle to why these movies, these type of movies, this genre doesn't work as well outside of the occasional giant, you know, giant spider or shark movie. The time. You have to look at the zeitgeist of the era. When these became popular in the 70s, we were starting the gas crisis. The animal rights movement was really kicking into full gear. You had the country on the verge of collapse. We were just getting out of Vietnam. The country was in turmoil. It's like you said earlier, Peter, you know, how slasher movies were, were a release and whatnot. These were as well. And into the 80s, you kind of had that start to diminish as the economy got better and whatnot. I just don't think you have that now nowadays. Even a yeah. movie that tries to be pseudo-political like Camel Spiders, it, it doesn't make it. Like all the, all the po political stuff in Nightwing and Jaws and all that, those were of the late 70s. And they don't work today. So I think the zeitgeist of the era is just not scared of these type of animals anymore. The zeitgeist of the era does have to be factored into this, and we just don't have that anymore. And I think that is why, like Cecil said, how people would put this on a BuzzFeed list and look back at it and laugh. I, I, I don't disagree with you. These are the same people who don't realize what living in the 70s was like. That, yeah. a, uh, that a movie like, like Squirm or Empire of the Ants was scary then. Because of how you were seeing it, because of what was happening in your day-to-day -day life, when these movies are from are just as important as the movies themselves. I think that does apply. Like it could just be people um, refusing to relate to a movie just because it isn't from their era, which I, which I think is really just uh, it's a, it's a great way to miss out on a lot of movies if you're like, well, this was made when when I wasn't even born yet, so I'm not going to give it a chance. Well. Pff you then couldn't have summed there, it up better myself there was somebody in uh one of my comments a while ago i don't remember which movie but it was a movie where there was a lot of practical effects they wrote about how they liked the movie they were uh a younger kid and they wrote about how much they liked the movie but they needed to remake it now with cgi like the transformers movies because Ugh. because the the practical effects look so fake and it uh, really struck me as odd because that was the first time I had ever heard that switch. Usually it's like, you know, oh, God, why don't they do practicals? Because CGI looks so fake. But this was somebody who was saying that the practicals look bad. And we need to remake it with those CGI effects because they look so real. And while I, I don't completely hate on CGI, I think that there are a lot of times when you do it and, and it's like, wow, I had no idea that was CGI. We get too many of them where it's just so blatantly obvious that that it's just everything is becoming CGI. I wonder if there are a wave of probably those goddamn millennials that now think that, uh, you know, CGI is the way that it's supposed to look as opposed to, you know, seeing like a practical and being like, oh, wow, that looks awesome. You know, like mm. CGI blood and all that kind of nonsense. So I think that that might also factor into why we're getting so many just bad CGI monster movies where they don't want to invest in uh, in, in doing it uh, with, with animatronics and whatnot. I mean, look at, I haven't seen the movie yet and I'm actually kind of digging it. I will say though that the new Jurassic Park from what I've seen in the trailers doesn't really look as good as the Jurassic Park from way back when. And that 
And that's odd because I, what I, the original Jurassic Park it was mostly it was, practicals, enhanced was, by CG. It well, was, it was practicals. perfect. It was uh, the original Jurassic Park was a perfect blend of it. Uh, mm-hmm. So much to so much so to the point where you couldn't tell which was which because they were just so good at going from okay, we're going to do a close up of the T Rex's head so you can really get a look at the eye, looking at the kids in the car, and then we're going to switch to it, you know, uh, standing over the cars and roaring, and then another close up on the head, and they were really playing around with the lighting, and they would use you know certain certain lights and, uh, you know, it would be at night and just shining it in a certain way, uh, which they're really not doing now. Instead, they will just completely use CGI for a whole scene for the whole time. It'll be that particular creature in CG and you'll just be able to tell that that's what it is because they're not even trying to, to fool you, which is what's so amazing about what they did with Jurassic Park compared to, even like Jurassic Park 3, which uh, even because they had animatronics in that movie and they were weak, like they just didn't look good. Like they didn't they didn't put in the same amount of effort. Most of the big scenes with CGI anyway, and it just it somehow didn't look as good. And, and yeah, I agree. Seeing the trailer for the newest one, it really doesn't look as good as the first one. I think it's because the technology has just been around for such a long time now where they're just they're not putting the same amount of effort in as when. It was new where, where they were really excited about it. They were really excited about creating something awesome looking using a computer and and blending it with these amazing practical effects that they were doing for movies like Jurassic Park and, and for movies like Terminator 2 where they were really blending in the practical with the CG. Whereas nowadays, they don't care. They can just do whatever they want in post. They can do whatever they want in CG. That laziness, that lack of ambition to make it look really cool is really showing, and it's really making a lot of movies suffer visually. Well, you also have the angle that that the old when animals attack creature features, they usually had some sort of a subtext to them. Not all. I'm not going to say they all did. There was usually a subtext about corruption or naturalism versus machinery or toxic waste dumping or something. There was always some kind of subtext that was around the monster killings. Yeah. You, look the, you look like at the stuff put up by the asylum, they're just about the giant monster attacks. I think mm-hmm. those are made by people who grew up on these movies who weren't smart enough to pick up on the subtext. And I think yeah. that's the generation of filmmakers we're dealing with when it comes to when animals attack now. Cecil, I'm afraid you're going to have to be taken out behind the garage and put down. Before that happens, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find <laughs> me at goodbandflix.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com and uh, probably by the time you hear this you should be able to see my debut up on The Escapist at uh, escapistmagazine.com Peter, you've got hydrophobia and we've got to shoot you but we're going to make you live this out. Where can people find you? (laughs) Uh, You can find me by getting a bigger boat and making your way to Twitter at Cinematica, Facebook The Cinemasochist YouTube, The Cinemasochist, and pretty soon, 1201beyond.com. Redesign's coming soon, guys. I've seen what it looks like. It looks pretty good. You can also find me at 1201beyond.com, and I'm going to be the one putting these guys down, so that's why I don't get a pun like that. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Send us your list of what you think are your best, are the best creature feature type movies of this, of when animals attack type creature features.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.